You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. But it's good to be back together. I want to um, just open the message today with, with a word of prayer, if you don't mind. So bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege that I have to stand before these, your precious people, and to deliver and minister the word of God that you've laid upon my heart. Father, I need your help. I cannot pretend to do this in my own strength or my own ability. Father, I thank you for the supernatural help of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for the anointing. As the Lord Jesus declared, I thank you that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach and to teach the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you will help me today and fill my mind with your thoughts, fill my mouth with your words, and help me to deliver exactly what you want me to deliver to these precious people. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hopefully you got a handout when you came in. If you didn't, hold your hand up. We'll get one to you. So um, I want you to, again, I know I say this every week, but I want you to be able to take good notes on what we're going to talk about. Now, let me lay some groundwork for what we're going to talk about today and uh, just give you a little bit of background so that you can understand. The title of this series that we're starting today is called Don't Limit God. Turn to somebody close by and tell them, don't limit God. Tell, look at them, say, stop it. All right? Don't limit God. <clears throat> and excuse me. So we're going to talk about this. And um, again, let me just give you a little bit of background. You know, in praying about our church and looking at where we are and examining everything, um, I very often do a lot of self-evaluation. I do a lot of... Um, you know, the, the uh, term soul searching, whatever you want to call it. And uh, just making sure that I'm hearing from heaven and I'm receiving direction from the Lord as far as what the Lord wants us to do. And uh, so, you, you know, there's questions that I have, wisdom that I'm seeking God for. I'm so glad that uh, Proverbs says that he does not withhold wisdom from us. James tells us that all we have to do is ask for it. He'll give it to us. And uh, so, you know, I, I have learned some things over the years. I don't know much, but I know a few things. And that is when you're praying for something and it doesn't seem like the answer's coming through. Matter of fact, write this down, please. If things are not happening and prayers are seemingly not being answered, the problem is never with God. The problem is with us. You need to understand that about the character of God. Religion will tell you that God's withholding on you, that he's holding back. Matter of fact, that's the lie the devil tried to tell Eve, and Eve believed it in the Garden of Eden. You remember? Uh, he came to her, and, and uh, he told her, he said, you know, God doesn't want you to eat this fruit. And this is my paraphrasation. God doesn't want you to eat this fruit because he's holding out on you. He's afraid you're going to become like him. And so he sowed that thought into her thinking, and of course, Adam didn't do anything about it, but the thing that I want you to see is, is God is never withholding from us. He always has an answer. 
He always will answer. If we're praying in line with his will and in line with the word, he will always answer our prayers. He's committed himself to doing that based on the word of God. And so if there is a disconnect, if there is, <clears throat> pardon me, a challenge in, in having our prayers answered or hearing from heaven, the challenge is never with heaven, with God. The, the challenge is always going to be on our side. So instead of looking to God to make some adjustments, we need to make some adjustments. So I constantly, and I learned this a long time ago, so if, if I'm not receiving clear direction or, or clear answers to prayers and things that I'm believing God for, what I do is I step back and I, I go seek the Lord and say, Lord, I know you never miss it. So show me where I am missing it. So I, I start this by telling you uh, that so if there are areas of your life that you have been praying about, seeking God, and there just hasn't been the connection that you want there to be and desire for there to be, then, then maybe tweak your prayer a little bit and say, okay, Lord, show me where I'm missing it. How many of you know God's perfect? He never misses it. He is right all the time. And so again, if there is a disconnect, it's on our side, okay? So that all being said, uh, of course, with where our church is and having come through the pandemic and all of those types of things, you don't have to be uh, you know, a rocket scientist to look around and see uh, where we are as a church. And so, you know, things have uh, gone. I heard one pastor say uh, that they had had a Gideon revival. You know what a Gideon revival is? Remember Gideon in the, <laughs> the Bible where he started out with 30,000 and ended up with 300? Okay, that's a Gideon revival. And so... <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for whoever, but I know it's not God's will for us to be experiencing a Gideon revival. So anyway, so, and, and, and I began praying about these things, this situation in our church and our growth and so forth, going back, you know, years. And so in, in 2018, there was a book that was mentioned to me and I picked it up and started reading. Uh, and it was this book, Don't Limit God, by Andrew Womack. Anybody ever heard of Andrew Womack? Great teacher of the Bible, uh, awesome man of God. So I picked up this book and started reading through it because in my spirit, I believed what the Lord was trying to get across to me is somehow I was limiting him in what he wanted to accomplish, not only in my personal life, but in the life of our church. And I never want to limit God. I never want to be the reason that um, he is not able to accomplish something. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, um, in, so this was early in 2018 when I got this book. By the way, I highly recommend it to you. And you can go to his website. If you want to go to our website uh, in the notes for the message today, just click on the picture of this book and it'll take you to his website and you can purchase it. Uh, you can get it off Amazon, whatever you want to do. So I had the privilege, this was early in 2018, I had the privilege later in 2018 in August to actually sit down with Andrew and, and myself and a handful of other pastors. Um, I am very, very good friends with the former leaders and, and um, directors of Karis Bible College, which is Andrew's Bible School, the Charlotte office, uh, Ken and and his wife, Ken Brown, and his, his wife and I are very good friends. And so um, before they retired, he called me up one day and he said, hey, do you want to 
uh, spend some time and meet Andrew? And I said, of course, I would love to. So Andrew was coming into town to uh, minister uh, at a, an event that he did every year here in Charlotte. He has since, uh, they did the last one in 2018. And so we all went to breakfast. And so I had the privilege of sitting down with Andrew. And if you've ever seen Andrew on TV, he's exactly in person the way you see him on TV. To use his words, he's just a country hick from Texas, okay? And, and that's what I love about him. It's just, you know, what you see is what you get. And so we began discussing some other things and, and talking about some stuff. And, and he opened it up for, you know, just whoever wanted to, you know, ask him something. So I got him to share his testimony that was the groundwork for this book right here. And of course, the time was limited. He couldn't go into all the details, but I got to hear some things. But as, as I was reading the book and I heard some of these things out of his own mouth, the interesting thing is that some of the truths that he was telling us and that he ministered in the book didn't really register on my spirit like I thought that they would or should. And so I, uh, you know, of course, time progresses and so forth and so on. Well, I picked the book back up again a couple of months ago. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, began to spend some time in it and, and really focusing on it. And I, I knew, I still knew in my heart, there was some place, somehow, that I'm limiting God. So I just, I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to show me some things because I know what God has called me to do. And, and I'll share more about this later on. And I know what our church is called to do and, uh, and called to be and so forth and so on. So I, I've been spending a lot of time in prayer, spending a lot of time focused on this. And probably a month ago, the light bulb came on. And so the Lord gave me revelation as far as how I was limiting not only my own life, but how I was limiting our church uh, how many of you know that, um, you know, and I'm not all that, but, but the responsibility for this church does rest on me as the pastor. So if anybody can put the brakes on, it can be me. And so God enlightened some things and, and brought some light and revelation. So uh, as this series progresses over the next couple of weeks, I will be sharing in detail how I was limiting God, not only in my personal life, but where the church is concerned. And, and I sh will share those things to help you so that you can see maybe some areas in your life where you have been limiting God. And so we'll get into that as the series progresses. And so I wanted to lay that groundwork so you know. So I, I want you to know I'm excited Amen. I have hope. I have vision. And, and the Lord has just really, really brought some very powerful truths to my life. And so I want to share those things with you. And, and I couldn't think of a better time to do it than right now at the beginning of the year. Amen. All right. So I, I, let me just say this right off the gate or right out of the gate. I guarantee you all of us are limiting God somehow in our own lives. Okay, you may not be having a direct impact on our church as I would, but I promise you, in your life, you are limiting God. So we're going to see that. And I don't mean that to, 
<clears throat> pardon me, bring, you know, condemnation or anything. I'm, I'm just saying that to you because we're human. Amen? All right, so let's look at a foundation scripture. This is going to be the foundation scripture for this entire series. So Psalm 78, verse 41. And by the way, a lot of the material and content that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks comes directly from that book, okay? Because I, 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 why reinvent the wheel? He says some things so well, you know, so I'm just going to bring it to you. So Psalm 78, verse 41, talking about the children of Israel, God said this, yes, again and again, they tempted God, and look at what it says, and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, that is hard for the religious mind to, to accept, that people could limit God. Because here's the misbelief. Um, God is sovereign and all-powerful, and He is. He is sovereign and if you look it up in the dictionary, the word sovereign means that. He is supreme. He is all-powerful. Uh, everything that makes him God, he is all-knowing and omnipotent and all of those types of things. But God cannot do what he wants to do just because he wants to do it, and he's God. Okay? So, you know, because there's a line of thinking in the body of Christ that says, Whatever happens in our lives happens at the will of God. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. It all happens because God allows it and, and even some say commissioned it to happen. And I, I want you to understand that this verse right here, among other verses, but this verse right here says differently. Because if God wanted to have his way with the children of Israel and bless them like he wanted to bless them, if he was sovereign, as some people teach it, he could have just done it. But it says that the people limited God. All right? So, and how did they limit him? Well, you know, they were disobedient. They were rebellious, cantankerous. They complained all the time, all those types of things. And by the way, I'm not guilty of any of those as far as limiting God. It's going to surprise you how we limit God. Okay, but the children of Israel limited God. Let me show you this verse in the Passion Translation. It says this, again and again, they limited God, preventing him from blessing them. Man, when I read that translation, I was like, wow, Lord, are there ways that I am limiting you from being able to bless me and, and, and move in my life that you want me that like you want to, to move. And it goes on to say, continually they turn their back from him and provoke the Holy One of Israel. So me being a, a, a word guy, you know, I love definitions and I love what words mean. And so I, I, I dove into this and the, the word limited in the Hebrew language means this, restraining someone from what they can do because of one's own attitudes or actions. So our own attitudes and actions can tie the hands of God. That's, that's sobering to me, okay? Because again, in the back of our minds, you know, there's this, again, belief that says, well, you know, if God wants to move in my life, he'll just move. Mm -mm. Not according to what the Bible says. 
Here's something else that, that I saw in this definition from the Hebrew language. And, and because some of the words or some of the translations in other verses where this word is used uh, refer to pain, like, like pain, hurting someone. And so I looked at it and it, it, this word also means causing someone discomfort or pain because of one's behavior or attitude. And matter of fact, there are a couple of translations that translate Psalm 78 verse 41 and say that they cause the Lord great pain because they would not allow him to do what he wanted to do. And I thought about that and I was like, wow, Lord, have I been hurting you and causing you pain? Now, you know, it's hard again for us to wrap our brains around the fact that how can we hurt God? He's God. But you need to understand, God feels. He has feelings. He, 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 he experiences discomfort. But what is the reason for that discomfort? It's he loves us so much and wants to do so much for us that it pains him when we don't allow him to. Are you listening to me? If you, you know, for those of you who are parents, you understand what it's like when you're, you want to do your children good and they won't let you. How that, that frustrates you, it hurts you, it, you know, as a parent. So anyway, that startled me. And, and as I began to look at this and I, I dove into it deeper, I, I realized, and, and again, the Lord brought revelation to me that uh, I was limiting him. So I said, okay, if that's what you say, God, although I may not understand how or why or whatever, I take you at your word. And so then show me where it is. Show me how I'm limiting what you want to accomplish and, and, and completely reveal it to me. And that's what he's done over the last few weeks. Now, let me say this to you. I've got some... Um, very, very close friends, good friends that have been pastoring churches less time than what I've been pastoring this church. I, December the 5th, this past December the 5th, makes 17 years that I've been the senior pastor of this church. I know that's hard to believe since I'm only 23, but it's the truth, okay? And so, you know, part of that plays into the equation. You go, wow, Lord, you know, we've been at this now for a long time. Uh, you know, and, and so my expectation would be, okay, well, and the question is, well, then why are we not seeing more happen? Well, that's what we're diving into. Now, here's the thing. Uh, the pastors that I know, they are good men and women. They love God with all of their hearts. I know one young man, matter of fact, when we were at our other building, I met him and, and uh, just a great guy. He's a young guy. I, I think he might be 30 right around there and uh, started a ministry at UNCC with the students. And then God brought him to start his own church and they were meeting at a school in uptown Charlotte. And God just really has blessed that church. And uh, now they have their own facility over on West Boulevard and uh, bought an old church over there, completely renovated it. Now they bought a second facility on Independence Boulevard and they're in the process of renovating that, doing great things. There's another couple that um, is here in Charlotte uh, that are pastoring a church that uh, they're actually Rhema graduates. They graduated from the same Bible school that I did. Great people. I, I met them. I know them. They're wonderful people, 
And uh, <clears throat> so I step back from that and I go, wow, Lord. Okay. So what's going on here? Well, let me, let me just ease your mind a little bit. Now, again, we don't compare ourselves. And we're going to talk about this more in just a second. We don't compare ourselves to them and feel sorry for ourselves. But I do look at them and I use it for self-evaluation to say, okay, because here's what I know, all right? And, and the reason I'm saying this to you, if, if someone that you know that is in a similar situation than you, that you are, and yet they're doing better than you, okay? Again, you don't look at them and get mad and, you know, fuss because why God blessing them, okay? And he not blessing me, all right? You can't have that kind of attitude, all right? Because here's what the Bible teaches. Y'all want to know what the Bible teaches? All right. Look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. Peter stood up in a message in preaching to Cornelius' house, and he said this, and Peter opened his mouth and said, this is the Amplified, most certainly and thoroughly, I now perceive and understand God shows no partiality and is no respecter of persons. And me again, you know, loving the Bible. I wanted to look at it in a couple different translations. So let's look at it in the New English translation. Then Peter started speaking and saying, I now truly understand that God does not show favoritism in dealing with people. And so one other translation, the Passion, Peter said, for I, now I know for certain that God doesn't show favoritism with people, but treats everyone on the same basis. So again, I had to step back and say, because here's what your, your flesh and your mind and the devil will try and whisper to you and say, see there, they're more successful uh, because God loves them more or they're more anointed or, or, you know, you just aren't good enough or whatever. All right. Well, let's establish this. If God is moving in another situation and using my example in, in another church with another pastor and God is blessing them, here's the thing. Now, if you have a small vision, then more power to you, okay? If, and again, let me use pastoring as an example. If you're a pastor and you see yourself pastoring 25, 30 people for the rest of your life, then more power to you. I can tell you, though, that is not my vision. That is not what I'm called to do. Are you still here? Okay. All right. So what I have to do is I have to step back and I have to say, well, God doesn't bless them and grow that church because he loves them more than he loves us. He doesn't show favorites. He treats everybody the same. That's what we just read in the Bible, isn't it? Okay. So if you are, let's say you're in a business and man, you're giving it your all. You're going as hard and fast as you possibly can doing where, what you believe God wants you to do. And it seems like somebody else is, their business is growing or whatever. Uh, understand this, God doesn't love them and is helping them grow because they're more favorite than you are. Okay. Can I say this? All right. If, if, and and I'm, I'm, I understand this. Not everybody's going to have a worldwide ministry. Not everybody's going to have a worldwide business. I understand that. 
But it's all based on what you're called to do and what you have in your heart from the Lord and what he has revealed that your purpose and your calling is. So again, if, you're, if you are called to have a worldwide business or a, a business that's a great size, I, I say worldwide, but you know what I mean, and that's not happening, understand this, it's not because God's holding out on you. It's not because he favors someone else ahead of you. There's a, a problem somewhere. There's a disconnect somewhere. Okay? And, and somehow we, me, you, are limiting what God wants to do. All right? I told you. Now, listen, I'll say this to you. I don't think there's any series of messages that are more important to the trajectory of this church than what I'm telling you right now or the trajectory for your life, okay? All right, so I really want you to pay close attention to what we're saying. So let me give you some things to remember, all right? Let's look at this. Here's some things to remember. Write this down, please. God wants to do absolutely miraculous things in everyone's life. There's not one human being that God does not have a desire to do absolutely awesome things in their lives. Not one. God wants to move, and, and, and you know, don't get it in your mind <clears throat> that God's going to run out. If he blessed everybody, well, God's going to come up short. <laughs> that ain't God. He wouldn't be God if that's the case. All right, so God wants to move in an absolutely miraculous way in everyone's life. God wants to move in a miraculous way in your business. God wants to move in an absolutely miraculous way in this church. Okay? God has never, ever, ever made any junk. Do you know that? You are not, as a born-again believer a piece of junk, an inferior person, a mess going somewhere to happen. No, that's not who God made you to be. That might be who you bought in to be, but that's not who God made you to be. Uh, write this down, please. The truth is that we are all unique and can do something that nobody else can in the body of Christ. Did you know that? Okay, and, and again, you know, we, we touched on this in our, our New Year's message, but that's why God calls us to specific places and sets us in specific churches because you're gifted and anointed to do something. And I promise you, it's great, whatever it is. And uh, so God has places that he assigns us based on that unique calling, now, you might have a business or something that's similar to whatever, what somebody else is doing, but I promise you it's not exactly the same. You know, our church, we might be like another church down the street in the sense of we're both churches, but our church has a different flavor, different personality, different anointing, calling on it based on what God has called us to do. Now, we're all called to preach the gospel. Don't misunderstand me. But, you know, you should never go from one church to another and it look the same, identical. It needs to be different, okay? 
All right, you still listening to me? We all have something that God wants to accomplish through us, but most of us are ignorant of this and have bought into the lie that there's nothing special about us. And that is a lie. You are special. Turn to somebody and tell them, you're special. You really are special. Okay? You are special. You are unique. Okay? All right? Now, look at this. Write this down, please. None of us has exhausted God's ability, his resources, and power for our lives. None of us have. I would venture to say there's no human being that's ever walked the face of the planet except with the exception of maybe the Lord Jesus that has ever come close to exhausting God's ability. And, and I really don't think Jesus did even in his walking in the earth. Here's why I know, because there were situations that Jesus went into desiring to do certain things and the people wouldn't let him. But none of us have exhausted God's ability. You are never going to be able to tap God out. Never. Your need is never going to wear out heaven. <laughs> what God has called you to do is never going to be greater than what heaven has the ability to enable you to do. I hope this is helping you. See, God is infinite. God is huge, and our lives ought to reflect that. Now, I'm going to say some things in the next few minutes that might seem a little tight, seem a little hard, but I, I say them to challenge you in the same way that they challenge me. Okay, can you handle that? How about the rest of you? Can you handle that? Okay. God wants us to believe him for big things, yet most of us believe him for small things. <laughs> okay? He wants us to believe him for big things, yet most of us only believe for small things. Now, I'm going to say this to you, okay? If, and I'm just going to read it. And this is actually a direct quote from Andrew's book. If your life is not an absolute joy and you aren't excited about it, in other words, if you don't wake up in the morning, I know it's Monday, but if you don't wake up in the morning excited about your life, looking forward with enthusiasm to what God is going to do, if you don't have enthusiasm about your life or where you're going or what God is doing, you have missed God and you are limiting what he wants to do in your life. Now, now, listen, we all have moments. Don't misunderstand me. You know, but on a broad scale, if you're not excited about your life, if you don't get up with anticipation every day looking forward to seeing what you and God are going to accomplish that day, you're missing God and you've limited him. Hallelujah. Okay. All right, write this down, please. God will call you to do something that is beyond yourself. God will never call you to do something that you are able to fully do. 
It, what do I mean by that? Um, you might have some natural talents and abilities, but you will never be able to accomplish what God has called you to do solely resting on those talents and abilities. God is always going to put you in a position and call you to do something where you're going to run out of yourself and you have to depend on him. You might as well just put that in your pocket and accept it. Because here's what happens. We want God to kind of fit in our box. Okay? God, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as, and whatever follows as long as. I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as, Lord, you never call me to go to Africa to be a missionary, and I, I have to eat their food. Or, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as it doesn't cost too much. Because you know, I'm on a limited income. God, I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as, and you fill in the blank. See, God will always call you to do something that is bigger than you. Why? Why would he do that? Well, if you'll use your noggin for just a minute, here's the thing that, and, and the scripture clearly says this, God won't share his glory with anybody. And if you want to get yourself in trouble, Start boasting on what you have done and what you have accomplished, okay? As, and I'm talking about as a believer. If there have been, and we'll talk more about this, but if you can do some exploration and ministries that we all know that have been in the public eye where the minister has had a failure, and the ministry has failed, I promise you, somewhere along the line, you can trace it back to they began to look at themselves and think, look at what I have built. Look at what I have done. The Bible says in Proverbs that pride goes before destruction. We'll talk more about that. I can tell y'all are real excited about that, okay? If you can say that you've achieved everything by your own ability, by your strength, or your power, and that you have not yet tapped into God's will for your life, God will ask you to do something bigger than yourself that requires more than your own ability. So that you, once it's all said and done and it's accomplished and the smoke clears and the dust settles, you will be able to stand up and be able to say, I don't know how that happened except God. You know, the old timers used to have a saying, but God. Until you can stand up and say, I don't know how I got here. All I can tell you is, but God. And I know that just, you know, that's cute and we've kind of made it a thing, but that's the way God wants us to live. Okay? If you can look at your life and say, well, I went to school, I got a degree, I did this, I worked hard, I got those promotions, and I earned the things that I have, I can tell you this with all boldness, you have missed God. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to school, getting degrees, and working hard. 
But if that's all you're looking towards, then you've missed God. If you can point to your great education, your charisma, or your ability as the secret to your success, then you have missed God. It's either amen or oh me, like Brother Hagin used to say, okay? All right? Now, I'm going to say this, okay? This one might ouchie just a little bit, so I'm just warning you. Here we go. Write this down. If your life isn't supernatural, it's superficial. If your life is not supernatural, where it's undeniable that the power of God is operative and moving in your life, then I promise you, your life is superficial. Now, I looked it up in the dictionary to find out and make sure I understood what superficial means. Superficial means this, only on the surface. Very surfacey. Borderline fake. Um, praise the Lord. Your life, my life, whoops, <clears throat> should be a testimony that when people ask how you're doing, what you are doing, and why you are so blessed, you should be able to say that there's no explanation outside of God. Now, so I know we, 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 we hear that, and we say, okay, I get that. That's great for you, pastor. But that's for every believer. People come up to you and say, how did your family turn out the way that they did? And, of course, and they mean it in a positive way. And, and you know, why does it look like everything you touch is successful now, listen, we all have difficult times. Life happens to everybody. But what I'm saying to you is our lives, because we're so dependent on God and what God can and will do through us and for us and in us, our lives ought to be such an example that people come to us and say, how do you do it? And then it's not for us to say at that moment, well, you know, I'm just it on a stick. <laughs> okay, no. It's for us to be able to say, all I can say is, the Lord helped me. Now write this down, please. And, and this is sobering, and I want you to get it. Life is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real thing. You know, and maybe I'm just a little more aware of this because in less than a year now, nine months, I turned 60 years old. Now, and I'm not planning on going anywhere. I'm not planning on going home to be with the Lord or anything like that. I'm not saying, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to go somewhere and sit down. But when you get to be 60, there's something about that number where you look at, okay, if I live to 110 more of my life is behind me than is in front of me. <laughs> okay? It's just a fact. Yeah, I thought I'd remind you of that. Yeah, I'm just here to be a blessing. Praise the Lord. And remind you that you're as old as I am, right? Okay, hallelujah. But what I want you to see is this. If, if we don't get another chance at this, now, yes, we get to spend an eternity in heaven, and thank God for that. 
But it's what we do in this life now in fulfilling the will, plan, and purpose of God for our lives. That is what matters. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. See, if you aren't doing something with your life that really winds you up, gets you going, and fulfills you, and makes you feel like what a blessing of God this is, then you've wasted another day of your life. And here's my point. Our days are limited. We don't have an infinite number of days that we can look back and say, well, you know, I can do it tomorrow. I'll get with, uh, you know, I'll start taking the limits off of God tomorrow. No, that's something we need to do today. All right? And so with the remaining time that we have left, I want to answer and begin to answer some questions. Now, again, I cannot minister this. We'd be here till four or five o'clock if I tried to share all of this uh, with you. So I, I'm planning on getting us out about three. And so <laughs> somebody, I saw the Baptist fingers going up right then. All right. Okay. All right. So let me give you a couple of ways that we limit God today. And we'll pick up here next week. And uh, I'll begin to get into what the Lord revealed to me about me. All right. But these two uh, are applicable to all of us. So how do we limit God? Here's the first one. We limit God through our wrong beliefs. We limit God through our wrong beliefs. I just realized I had a grammatical error in there. Take that word is off. Okay. We limit God through our wrong beliefs. You know, our belief system is so important. What you believe, what you and I believe is so important. You know, Andrew brought this up, and, and, and I am in 100% agreement, and I've thought this for years and years and years. When you think of a third world nation, that, and it's funny because part of the nation is highly developed, part of this nation is very, very impoverished, and I'm speaking of the nation of India. And you think about the mass numbers of people that live in abject poverty in India. Think about that. That live way, way, way below even the lowest of American standards, okay? Do you know why those people live that way? Because of their belief system. You, you want me to explain that to you? <clears throat> there is enough food walking around the streets of India to feed every man, woman, boy, and girl in the nation very well. But because of their belief system, and I'm not knocking it, I'm just stating fact, because of the Hindu belief system, they will not eat uh, that cow that's walking down the street because that might be Uncle Fred. And I don't dare want to eat Uncle Fred because if I eat Uncle Fred, then that's going to make me come back as a flea. Andrew shared, he gave the testimony. He said he was in India ministering and in somebody's home doing a Bible study. And he said, right in the middle of the Bible study, a bull bust through the front door of the house, walked through the house and went out the back door in front of all of them. And not one person did anything about it. Why? Because their belief system says 
That is a relative, and we don't dare want to mistreat one of our relatives. And they believe they're born into what's called a caste system, which is a class of, uh, of being and, and you know, uh, lifestyle and, and so forth and so on. And it, they believe, now listen to this, they believe if I do anything to try and better my life and move up in the caste system, if I die, it may cost me to come back as a very low form of life in this whole belief of reincarnation. Now, there are some, don't misunderstand me, that have been westernized and, and, and you know, particularly young people that are, are beginning to get out of that mindset. But if you look at hardcore, old school Hindu people, that's what they believe and that's how they lived. And their belief system has kept them impoverished and limits them. Well, before you get too hard on them, the Indian people, I want you, yes, you might have a comfortable lifestyle, but, but are you limiting God somewhere because of your belief system? Something that has snuck into your thinking somewhere where you've tied the hands of God. I promise you, there is. And we're going to bust the lid right off of all that stuff. Anybody want some of that? Proverbs 23, 7 says, and just the first part of that verse, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, I didn't put this in your notes, and I uh, didn't really, you know, I kind of toyed around with not saying this, but let me just give you this real quick. Whatever you think about the most, you believe. Whatever you believe, you will say and do. And whatever you say, do, and believe is what shapes your life. So somewhere along our lives, we have accepted some incorrect, unbiblical information, and therefore, we are limiting God. Here's the second way we limit God. We limit God by comparing ourselves with others. Now, I know we're familiar with, as I expressed to you earlier, about comparing ourselves, someone else that's enjoying success, and we say, woe is me, why isn't that happening to me? That is a comparison, and it's a very dangerous comparison, but I want to I just explore for a moment the comparison that we get involved in by looking at limitations on people that we look at, and we think because they're limited, it limits us. Okay, let me show you uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 says this, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. And, and this sounds like a tongue twister and I'll unravel it in a moment. But they, I'm reading it from the New King James, I'll read it to you from the New Living in a second. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. The New Living says this, but they are only comparing themselves with each other and using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant, the New Living says. What does that mean? See, when you begin to look at other people's lives, and, and I'm talking about people that mean well and might even love us, part of our family, whatever, you look at their limitations 
and what they have experienced in their life and you begin to adapt that into your life by comparing your life to theirs, what, the scripture, what it's saying is you have lowered the standard to their example and you're not wise when you do that. See, there is another standard for us. There is another example that we are to live according to. You know, you might have grown up in a situation where, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe a lot of your family never went to college. Maybe a lot of your family, you know, was never really successful. And so somehow that seed has gotten sown into our thinking and thus into our belief system. Well, that's just the way I'm destined to live as well. I mean, nobody in my family has, you know, really been all that successful. They've done okay, but never really, you know, excelled to a great degree, okay? But, but what you do when you look at that and you allow that to set the standard for your life, the Bible calls it ignorant and unwise. You know why? Because God has a higher standard. He has a higher example. We have a measurement that is higher than anybody else has been, that's come before us in the sense of that could possibly be our example. Okay? In the negative sense, we look at our parents, we look at our grandparents, we look at television, we listen to people's stories about all the bad things that have happened to them, and we begin to believe that's what is in store for my life. And if you were without God, if you didn't have the Word of God, then I would say, yeah, that's kind of the way your life's going to go. But you don't have to live by that standard. Even when we're doing okay, we compare ourselves to others and saying, I'm doing pretty good compared to where they are. And you know what that does? That leads you to complacency, to where you sit back and you rest in that. And, and don't, you know, there's really no reason for me to go any further because I am doing better than them. You know, those folks never got off the farm. Here I am, I'm living in town, I got to, you know. And so what we do is we say, well, okay. So I'll just coast in life. Okay? Write this down, please. We are not called to be average. Now I'm going to use another word here, and you can write it above it or whatever. We are not called to be normal, whatever normal is. Okay? Now, there should be a difference between Christians and those who don't know God. And I'm going to say this, okay, and I'm going to say it with all the love and humility that I could possibly muster. And seriously, um, when I look across the vast majority of the body of Christ in the world today, there's very little, if any, difference that sets us apart from the world. Uh, you know, sure, we'll proclaim and say, yes, I love Jesus. But what if somebody said to you, and you've probably heard this before, this is an old preacher saying, but what if somebody said to you, hey, uh, they just made being a Christian illegal. 
Is there enough evidence to convict you? Okay. And you know what they're going to look at is physical, material, evidence. Okay. Y'all still here? You gone home. Okay. See, God has made us for more than average. Believers should be doing better than the average person. After all, Jesus died to deliver us from this present evil world. But sadly, that is not every believer's experience. Let me show you some scriptures. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 in the Passion, okay? Paul said this, I pray over you a release of the blessings of God's undeserved kindness and total well-being that flows from our Father, God, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the anointed Messiah who offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins. Now get this last phrase. He has taken us out of this evil world system and set us free through our salvation just as God desired. Now, some have taken that to mean it's okay for us to live spooky lives. That's not what I'm saying. I don't want people calling you spooky pooky, okay? What I'm saying to you is there ought to be a marked difference in us as believers than what people see in the world. Why? Because we are not of this world. You are of heaven. You are a citizen of heaven that is trying to live incognito, hiding in a world that we're only going to be here for a little while. Okay, let me show you. John 17, verses 14 through 16. Jesus said, you'll believe Jesus, won't you? Okay. <clears throat> Jesus prayed this. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. <clears throat> no matter how much they tried, the world, when Jesus was here, they could not limit him. They tried to kill him several times. The Bible says that in his own hometown of Nazareth, he got in the, the synagogue and preached a little short message and it made the people so mad, they gathered up and rushed him out. We're going to throw him off a cliff. Jesus said, uh-uh, no, not today. And he, the Bible says he passed right through the middle of them and went about his business. Okay? And there were other instances he goes on to say in verse 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Now, this is where we get the phrase, I am in the world, but I am not of this world. And, and here's what I think has happened. We as believers have settled for being in the world and acting like we're of this world. And I don't mean sinning. I'm not talking about sinning. Because I, you know, I'm I'm naive enough to believe that most Christians want to do right. 
I'm, I'm just, you know, call me ignorant if you want to, but I'm, I'm just, be, I believe that most Christians want to live right lives. Okay, so I'm not talking about sinning. I'm talking about the way our lives are being lived out ought to be different from the world. So how do we do this? Well, the Bible says we do it by faith. Look at 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. You see, every child of God overcomes the world. How? For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. So what John is telling us is the way that you're going to live different than the world is do it by faith. Faith in what? Faith in God's Word. So when God's Word says you don't have to live, oh, y'all ready for this? You don't have to live like everyone else with the same sickness, same financial, same relational, same family, same emotional problems that everybody in the world lives. We just accept some stuff because we thought that's the way it has to be. Oh, pastor, this is so radical. Well, I'm sorry, but this is Bible. Do you believe what the Bible says? Okay, I'm going to give you one more verse. I'm not sure you're really ready for it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Deuteronomy. Anybody ever heard of the blessing of Abraham? And how we're under the blessing of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3 says that Jesus took the curse off of us because he became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. I may not be a Jew by birth, but I'm a Jew by being born again. And therefore, because I, I am in that family, then the blessing of God belongs on my life. Do you, do you agree with that? Are you sure you agree with that? Because you may want to renege on that agreement in just a moment. Are you sure that you live and are blessed with the blessing of heaven on your life? All right, Deuteronomy 28, 13. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, now, now this is conditional. We have to do what God tells us to do. We have to obey him the Lord, if you do those things, then the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always, say always, always. be on top and never at the bottom. But we've accepted the bottom. Oh, well, you know, that's just, just the way it is. Or, you know, we blame it on the man. You know, it's the man. He's keeping me down. Uh, so <laughs> somebody asked a relative of mine, this was a couple years ago, and he, of course he was kidding, but he, he's very quick-witted. And somebody asked him, said, what have you been doing? He said, oh, I've been figuring out ways I can stick it to the man. <laughs> and see, we thought that's the way we had to live life. <clears throat> Figure out ways that we can move around the system because the system is designed, you know, and I know, listen, I'm not ignorant of environment, all right? Please don't misunderstand that. But you're not of that environment. You are not of this world. And God said 
if you will obey him, he will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. So can I say this to you? I know it, I'm, I'm, I'm long, being long-winded, but you don't have any better place to be right now. So um, your days of being at the bottom are over. Okay, thank you for those four people that got it, okay? Say this after me. Say, if I will obey, what the Lord tells me to do, he will make me the head and not the tail. I will always be on top and never at the bottom. So can I say this? If you are living at the bottom, it's because you are either ignorant of what God has said or you're limiting what God wants to do in your life. Now, some of you want things to be different, but if we don't change some of the ways that we think, then come the first Sunday in January of 2024, we'll be sitting in the exact same spot praying and asking God to do the same things that we've been asking him to do for years. It is not God who is limiting himself. It is you and me. So I want to challenge you with this. There is something that happens in the spiritual realm when you and I start believing God. You've got to see God's purpose for your life and take the limits off of him because he has something more for you than what you are experiencing in your life right now. Now, I'll say this to you, okay? I hope your life is good. I really do. I really pray that your life is good. But listen, no matter where we get in life, there's always more. Now, here's where religion gets mad at us because, you know, they'll, they'll claim that I'm telling you that it's all about you. No, 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 no. There's always more for you if your life is a resource for God to be able to use to change other people's lives. Are, are you listening to me? So, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at and we're going to take the limits off of God. I'm tired of living a limited life. Anybody else in here tired of living a limited life? I'm tired of pastoring a limited church. And it's not your fault. I'm going I'm to take the limits off. I am taking the limits off. All right, so buckle your seatbelt, get ready, because the sky is the limit. I mean, well, let me rephrase that. God is the limit, all right? So I want to say that to you, and, and, and I, I, like I said, I don't believe there's any more important series of messages that I have ministered. Maybe in the past there has been, but I'm telling you, for the moment and the time that we're living in right now, this is it, Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what we've heard today. Lord, I'm so grateful for the revelation that you've brought into my life. I'm grateful for Brother Andrew Womack and what you revealed to him and 
Of course, I was able to receive an experience, Father. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name for this truth, these truths to resonate down on the inside of us like nothing else, Father. Lord, if we only understood your heart and your desire and what you want to do in our lives. So Father, we make the decision right now. I make it for me, these folks make it in their lives and we make it as a church body right now. We're taking the limits off of you. We remove the constraints, we remove whatever is holding you back from doing in our lives, in our families and in our church, Lord, what you desire to do. And so we declare in Jesus name, from this moment forward on January the 8th, Lord, the limits are off. And we're gonna walk in the fullness of what you have in store for each and every one of us. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you, Father for all that that entails, all that that means, and we're going to receive all of it. Father, we're gonna see this church grow like never before. We're gonna see people come in from the north, the south, the east, and the west that need Jesus. We're gonna see people be healed, set free, delivered. We're gonna see marriages restored. We're gonna see families brought back together. You said, Father, because of the word of God, you will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you, Father, for everything that you have in store for this, for this body of believers. And Lord, I thank you for each and every household under the sound of my voice. And Lord, I believe, and you know, we don't just say this as a cliche, but Father, we believe that the best is yet to come, that we're gonna see you do what you desire to do. And I thank you for it. I believe you for it. Lord, show us the areas in our lives and in our households, our families, Father, where we've been limiting you. And Lord, we promise we'll obey and take the handcuffs off. We're gonna take the restraints off of you. And we thank you for it. Lord, I know this makes your heart glad. The Bible says you take pleasure in the prosperity of your servants. That prosperity means more than money, obviously, but Father, it, it blesses you to be able to see us grow and become everything that you want us to be. And I thank you for it. Lord, we believe you and we, we're excited with anticipation. Father, knowing there's more to it than just this. And I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for healing in every physical body that's under the sound of my voice right now. From the tops of their heads to the soles of their feet, Father, I thank you that the healing power of God is flowing into every single person in need of it and that sickness and disease cannot stay in these bodies. These bodies are the healed of the Lord. And we thank you for it. Lord, I thank you that every need of every household is fully and abundantly supplied. Lord, I thank you for peace and for joy and fulfillment like never before. We love you, Jesus. We praise you and we thank you for it all. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, 
please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.